Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our, our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I hear it said that uh, this was not a threat, Schumer's comments against justices, because he couldn't carry out a physical assault on the two justices. That's what I hear it said by legal analysts out there. And of course, uh, that's not what the criminal code provides. It provides that if you're talking about assault. But take a look at 18 United States Code, Section 875B. reads as follows. Whoever with intent to extort from any person any money or other thing of value, here a vote, to hold a Louisiana statute unconstitutional, transmits in interstate or foreign commerce any communication containing any threat to injure the person of another shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. It's a felony. So when you hear a legal analyst or anybody else tell you, no, 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 Mark, No, he couldn't actually carry out a physical assault. It is a crime to extort. That is, to threaten a Supreme Court justice here, too. That you either rule the way we want you to rule, or else. Or else. Again, 18 United States Code, Section 875B. Now, we pressed this issue last night, which is why it's so prominent today. We wondered where McConnell was. Well, McConnell spoke on the floor of the Senate. We wondered where the ABA was. The ABA issued a statement. But talk is cheap. What is the Senate going to do to hold Schumer accountable? I've lost enormous faith in our criminal justice system, I must tell you. So nothing will be done, despite the criminal code, the federal criminal code, nothing will be done to Schumer in a criminal context. Even though, if you threaten a federal judge, I don't care if you're a thousand miles away, that if they don't rule the way you want them to rule, I can assure you, that you would be in custody and you would be charged. You'd be facing arraignment tonight. So Chuck Schumer goes to the floor of the Senate today. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'll play the pertinent part. And here in part is what he says. Cut nine, go. 
Now, I should not have used the words I used yesterday. They didn't come out the way I intended to. My point was that there would be political consequences. Okay, stop right there. That's not good enough. I believe they came out exactly the way he intended them to come out. He threatened two associate justices to the Supreme Court. He threatened them, and the threat was credible and dangerous. That's according to the Chief Justice of the United States and anyone who listened. And so it's not good enough to say my words didn't come out the way I intended. Words came out exactly as he intended. He couldn't have been clearer. There's no parsing words. The meaning of is, is. Go ahead. Consequences. For President Trump and Senate Republicans. Okay. If this, this is- has nothing to do with President Trump and Senate Republicans. That's all a diversion. He didn't mention President Trump, and he didn't mention Senate Republicans. He mentioned two justices. Go ahead. In court with the newly confirmed justices, stripped away a woman's right to choose. Nobody, by the way, you know, this case isn't even about stripping away, quote-unquote, a woman's right to choose. To summarize, and I mean to really summarize, this is a law passed in Louisiana that says, hey, look, if, if you're an abortionist, you need to have privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of your clinic within 30 miles of your clinic. That's not stripping anything away from anybody. It's not making anything inconvenient. Why are they doing that? Because they saw what took place in Philadelphia. You had a butcher who slaughtered babies that were born, who butchered women, and he's now serving multiple life sentences in prison. Might have seen the movie that was done. On this butcher, this mass murder. They have no idea how many babies he murdered. Babies, born babies. You know, botched abortions. Among actual abortions. So you have states that are concerned from a healthcare perspective. And so anything that's done, anything, that's intended to regulate in some rational way abortions comes under attack by people who are obsessed with abortion, obsessed with killing babies in the womb. They are obsessed. We're not even talking about medical exceptions here. That this is a woman's right. Roe v. Wade doesn't say all this, believe it or not. It counts trimesters, The third trimester was uh, verboten in many respects. But now we talk about botched abortions and the baby is is delivered and whether or not the baby should receive medical care. I mean, we've come a long way since Roe versus Wade, which is bad enough. And this is what happens when a culture is sick. This is what happens when a culture is sick. And our culture is very sick as a result of the left. And the courts that institutionalize this ideology. 
Despite all this, you do not hear those of us who are pro-life, pro-baby, threatening justices on the Supreme Court. We don't do that. Certainly nobody in a position, a public position, a responsible position. But Schumer did that in a case that has really nothing to do with, quote-unquote, the right to an abortion, with, quote-unquote, the right of a woman to choose. Talks about the doctor having hospital privileges. Within a 30-mile radius, is that asking too much? Not a six-block radius, a 30-mile radius. Go ahead. Of course I didn't intend to, to, to suggest anything other than political and public opinion consequences for the Supreme Court. And it is a gross distortion to imply otherwise. What kind of an apology is this? He's now lashing out at those of us who actually listen to what he said. It's a gross distortion. Now, the gross distortion is when you get on the Senate floor and you attack Kavanaugh the way you did. The gross distortion is when you get on the Senate floor and you attack the president the way you do, day in and day out. Russia collusion, the Mueller report, coronavirus. Go ahead. I'm from Brooklyn. We speak in strong language. That has nothing to do with being from Brooklyn. Any other person in Brooklyn who makes threats against a Supreme Court justice, I can assure you, I can assure you that the FBI doesn't care where you're from. Go ahead. I shouldn't have used the words I did, but in no way was I making a threat. I never, never would do such a thing. And Leader McConnell But, 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 but you did such a thing. It's not a matter that you would never do such a thing. You actually did such a thing. On camera, with a microphone, in front of hundreds of people, on the steps of the United States Supreme Court. You even turned around and pointed to the building. You even wagged your finger at the building talking about those justices. Go ahead. That and Republicans who are busy manufacturing outrage over these comments Hmm. know that too. No, we don't know that. You should be fingerprinted. There should be a photo of you. All the things that would go through the process for any citizen who said what you said. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. 
All right. Let's remember what Chuck Schumer said yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Cut 18, go. Over the last three years, women's reproductive rights have come under attack in a way we haven't seen in modern history. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas, Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. And he says today, of course, I didn't intend to suggest anything other than political and public opinion consequences for the Supreme Court. Ladies and gentlemen, these people are appointed for life. There are no political and public opinion consequences. They're not elected. Now, they may be psychologically influenced by the pressure, but they're not elected. So what Schumer's saying today makes absolutely no sense. It's irrational. It's irrational. Now, Mitch McConnell went to the floor of the Senate today, and I expect him and the majority of the Republicans there to do more than this. But in any event, here in part is what he said, cut 17, go. But most rocking of all have been the shameless efforts to bully our nation's independent judiciary. And yesterday, those efforts took a dangerous and disturbing turn. By now, many already know what the Democratic leader shouted outside the Supreme Court yesterday morning. I'm sorry to have to read it into the record. First, he prompted a crowd of left-wing activists to boo two of the associate justices, as though Supreme Court justices were professional athletes and Senator Schumer were jeering from the stands. And then the senior senator from New York said this, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you've released the whirlwind, and you, you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, end quote. Yep. There's no mincing words about this, ladies and gentlemen. McConnell went on, cut eight, go. Madam President, I'm not sure where to start. There is nothing to call this except a threat. And there's absolutely no question to whom, to whom it was directed. Contrary to what the Democratic leader has since tried to claim, he very, very clearly was not addressing Republican lawmakers or anyone else. He literally directed the statement to the justices by name. And he said, quote, if you go forward with these awful decisions, which could only apply to the court itself, the minority leader of the United States Senate threatened two associate justices of the U.S. Supreme Court, period. There's no other way to interpret that. Even worse, the threat was not clearly political or institutional. As I'll discuss in a moment, these kinds of threats are sadly nothing new from Senate Democrats. This was much broader. 
Much broader. All right. Now that's the easy part. For McConnell to give a speech on the Senate floor. That's the easy part. Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, who's becoming quite the superstar in my view. He wants action taken on the floor of the Senate against Schumer. He wants action taken against Schumer, and I agree with him. Now, are they going to take action on the Senate floor or not? You just heard Mitch McConnell. It's up to him. He controls the schedule on the floor of the Senate. He controls it. Are they going to turn this over to the Senate Ethics Committee, in my opinion, which they should, or not? Or do they fear Schumer? The American Bar Association said yesterday that it was, quote, deeply troubled, unquote, by Schumer's comment. Deeply troubled. Well, that's not enough. The ABA said in a statement, personal attacks on judges by any elected officials, including the president, are simply inappropriate. The president? Did anybody hear the president threaten Supreme Court justices and endanger them? This is why decades ago I resigned as a member of the American Bar Association. Only about half the practicing lawyers in this country are members. Why didn't they mention exactly what Schumer said? You know, it reminds me of Pelosi and the Democrats in the House passing a resolution condemning bigotry. When it was Ilhan Omar who spit out her anti-Semitic, poisonous, vile statements. They wouldn't mention her. And they wouldn't mention anti-Semitism as a standalone threat of the Democrat Party. The ABA went on, such comments challenged the reputation of the third co-equal branch of government, the independence of the judiciary, and the personal safety of judicial officers. Shame on the ABA. Shame on the American Bar Association, run by left-wing Democrats, pretty much, certainly controlled by them, that couldn't take on Schumer directly, by name, and suggest that the New York Bar take a serious look at this man's license. So that hasn't happened either. I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. 
Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. They can clone the others, but there's only one, Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. So where do we stand today? I don't know if the Hawley uh, request will be considered by McConnell. Is there going to be a vote on the floor of the Senate or not? I don't think the ABA or the New York Bar is going to do a damn thing. I don't think the... uh, Department of Justice will look into this. In other words, I think he'll get away with it. And he gets cover. They don't have Mitt Romney's in the Democrat Party. I'll get to him later today. He's got another another amazing statement he's made. Here's Nancy Pelosi to press briefing today. Cut 10. Go. Chuck Schumer said that New York Board of Kavanaugh would pay the price for voting against abortion rights. Okay, the media are really sick. This case is not again about abortion rights. Every effort to properly regulate health issues related to abortion are not abortion rights issues. I wish they were, but they're not. But anyway, go ahead. Were those comments appropriate in your Well, he, I, I believe he also said on the floor today that his words were not appropriate, and uh, I, I support him in that. It's unfortunate because, as you see, uh, I think the Republicans say it's okay if the president does it, but it's not okay if other people do it. It wasn't right for anybody to do it, and Chuck uh, recognized those words. And this is the big lie. There's always a big lie with the Democrats. I challenge Nancy Pelosi, every reporter listening to this program, and they monitor this program very closely. I want to know when the president threatened a specific Supreme Court justice. I mean, here's a threat to the point where the Chief Justice of the United States said it was dangerous. I want to know. It's one thing to say they're biased, they should recuse themselves, I don't like this justice, their opinion. Those are opinions. I got no problem with that. But then when you cross the line and you threaten them, a threat is a very different issue. And Nancy Pelosi is a truly nasty, vile demagogue. President never said anything. To my mind, nobody's ever said anything who's in a significant public position the way Chuck Schumer spoke nobody and then of course the chorus line the gaggle of Democrats who populate the modern newsroom most of them come to Schumer's defense and among the dumbest of course is Chris Fredo Cuomo can we be honest the only reason Cuomo has a job is because his name is Cuomo Can we be honest? He peddles his last name. I'm sorry, it's true. It's quite true. He's a Cuomo. So in Democrat circles, and left-wing circles, that's important. But Chris Cuomo really doesn't belong on TV. He's too stupid, 
and he's too partisan. He claims to be a newsman. He was once a newsman over there at ABC, along with Dan Abrams, the legal analyst over there, who has superglued a squirrel to his head. Here's what Cuomo said yesterday on the constipated news network, Hat Tip MRC TV, Cut 11, Go. I don't like it. Senator Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, look, I know Trump says the same crap. That's why it's wrong. Hey, dummy. Trump never said the same crap. But it's funny that you and Pelosi have the same talking points. Nobody has said this. Nobody. So why do you lie like you do? We know why. Go ahead. I get Schumer's concerns and many of yours about undoing Roe v. Wade. It's real. You're You're a lawyer. You're a lawyer, right? How does the Louisiana case undo Roe v. Wade? Now, you women out there, I'm not talking about conservative women, but you women out there who are on the fence, they call you suburban women. They say that you don't like Trump, but you're quite moderate when it comes to social issues and so forth. The Democrats play you for idiots. Absolute idiots. They don't want you to know about this Louisiana case. So they're not going to take any time to explain it. They're going to go right right for the political opinion. That this is a threat against Roe versus Wade. And what is this obsession with aborting babies? It's a woman's right. We're not talking about your own body. We're talking about the body of another individual, another human being. We have, we have statutes in place, criminal statutes. That if a murderer kills a mother who's pregnant thereby killing the baby that she's carrying, they can be charged with two counts. We don't treat dogs and cats, rabbits and hamsters and guinea pigs, the way that we treat human babies in the womb. There's something truly sick about this obsession with the Democrat Party and the left. And quote-unquote, you women out there, Chuck Schumer, Chris Cuomo, they're playing to you. They think this resonates with you. That this is personal with you. But the vast majority of you have not had abortions. You have no intention to get abortions. Some of you have. Some of you regret it. Some of you don't. That's fine. Whatever. But it's still a seriously moral issue. That the Supreme Court should not have acted on. The Supreme Court has nationalized... Moral issues and cultural issues. Whether it's marriage, prayer, abortion, birth control, whatever it is. Because apparently nine lawyers, typically less than the nine, the full nine, but nine lawyers believe that they should substitute their opinions on life and death, on marriage, on prayer and where prayer should take place and so forth and so on. For 320 million people. That they should get to decide. 
that they should get to decide. They should not get to decide. But even without getting into this issue, listen to how they lie in order to defend Chuck Schumer. That the president says the same thing. The president is not. If he did, go ahead and play the audio or the video. He's not. This isn't about Trump. This is about the leader of the Senate Democrats. Let's listen to what Jeffrey Tubin had to say on CNN. It may shock you. Cut 12. Go. And certainly not going to defend what Chuck Schumer said. It was wrong. It was inappropriate. Uh, it, it did sound like a physical threat. I think if you look at Chuck Schumer's entire record, if you look at how he behaves, he does not threaten people physically. It was a, certainly a bad choice of words. Um, the, the interesting thing is whether the chief justice is going to start to get involved on a more regular basis. See, this, he- is where, this is where Tubin goes off the rails, which he often does. He's got the first part right. Certainly sounds like a physical threat. Then he he moves into political mode. But Chuck Schumer is not going to physically threaten anybody. It's not a question of whether Chuck Schumer is physically threatening anybody. It's a question of whether Chuck Schumer is trying to get a mob all excited and worked up that a justice is physically threatened. And that's what's dangerous about this. That's what's dangerous about Bernie Sanders' propaganda. And the propaganda of others on the hard left. If the system's so bad, if the justices are racist and homophobic and and right-wingers who want to destroy a woman's right to choose, if the President of the United States is Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini and so forth and so on, you are giving a green light to the kooks out there. Go ahead. Uh, No, I don't. And and, and I think... Um, the the president's uh, the, the Schumer's defenders and the people who are critical of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are coming out in defense of Schumer and saying, "Look, um, this is a significant issue, and everyone has a right to uh, speak out on it." Okay, I think well, it- that is absurd. And the chief justice should not come out. Everybody provides an opinion about the justices. That's not his role. But he spoke out this time because two of his colleagues were threatened. Because two of his colleagues are threatened. This isn't about Chief Justice Roberts. This isn't about the court. This isn't about Trump. This isn't about abortion. This is about Schumer. And his direct threats against two justices who he named. Who he named. John King on CNN today. Cut 13, go. So a backpedal, not an apology, but a backpedal. He he said he would never issue a threat, but if you just play his words, it sure sounded like a threat. I I think it's... um, All right, stop there. Credit where credit is due. John King, I salute you. This one time, don't get excited. His words were a threat. They didn't sound like a threat. They were a threat. I'm not going to give up on this. Now, Maggie Haberman of the New York Slimes, who's a complete hack. Let's hear what she responds. Go ahead. 
couple of things. Uh, I mean, yes, I think those were very unwise words for him to have said. He clearly acknowledges that. Um, whether he apologized or not, that was a mistake. Um, and uh, I think it was becoming clear to him, based on what McConnell said on the floor speech, the president was obviously elevating it. Um, it's a little hard to take at face value President Trump um, calling it a disgrace that somebody would dare to um, criticize a judge or attack a judge or say anything. You say she is a clown. She talks fast. Maybe she likes Chris Matthews. I don't know. Maybe she's just a, uh, I don't know, one of these uh, auctioneers. She swings back to Trump. It's a little hard to take Trump seriously, folks. Don't you know, criticizing a judge. Maggie Haberman, you're welcome to come on this program. You're welcome to come on this program. We're not talking about criticizing a judge. That's fair game. We're talking about threatening judges, threatening justices on the Supreme Court, trying to intimidate them to get a result from an opinion that you want that has endangered them, according to the Chief Justice and everybody else with an IQ over four. And if you have evidence that Donald Trump has done that, I want to see it. Let's see it. Because you're supposed to be a reporter, not a fast-talking propagandist. Unfortunately, you're the latter. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. One of the most poisonous reprobates in the House of Representatives is Ayanna Presley. One of the four stooges <clears throat> that are uh, damaging the Democrat Party and the country. And uh, she was at the Planned Parenthood rally yesterday with Chuck Schumer. And here's part of what she had to say. Cut 14, go. And we have two. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Alleged sex- All right. Wow. I think we better lower that volume just a little bit. Because she's out of her mind. Cut 14, go. And we have two alleged sexual predators on the bench of the highest court of the land with the power to determine our reproductive freedoms. I still believe... All right, that's enough. That's enough. This is a sleazy, sleazy, slanderous attack against Clarence Thomas. Sleazy, slanderous attack against Kavanaugh. 
The left sets these two guys up, lies about their backgrounds, backgrounds, has phony, phony witnesses. That's right, I said it. And then repeat the lies. Repeat the sleaze. They are attacking. You know, it's one thing to seriously question the court's involvement in certain cases, the movement of the court as an institution, specific decisions, specific opinions written by specific justices, and to be harsh about it. But to do this, to do that, to threaten Supreme Court justices, and now to slander them. The left does not believe in this country, ladies and gentlemen. I'll say it over and over again. The left is anti-American. They're un-American. They hate the Constitution. And they only support our institutions when the institutions deliver them what they want, politically and otherwise. Otherwise, they burn the whole damn thing down. And I'm telling you the truth. That's what's going on. Mark, Annapolis, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hey, good evening, Mark. Thank you very much for taking my call, and I just want to say it's a great honor to speak with you. Thank you. Um, I just uh, I told your uh, Mr. Call Screener that I just agree with everything you've been saying, except I disagree with the statute. Um, I think a much more applicable statute is 18 U.S.C. 111. And if I could read it to you, just briefly, forcibly, in general, whoever forcibly assaults, resists, opposes, impedes, intimidates, or interferes with any person designated in Section 1114 while engaged in or on account of the performance of official duties. Yeah, the Um, problem with that is the case law. I looked at that. You you have to actually be within physical presence or the physical ability to personally threaten the target. That's why that I don't think that works. That's why I went with the other statute. I hear you. Um, I just don't know that 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 uh, Senator Schumer necessarily. They're not um, going to do fought. anything to Schumer. They're not going to do anything to Schumer. I'm laying this out just so the American people know. They had nothing on the president, and they launched a massive criminal investigation for over two years. Nothing on the president, and they impeached him. We have everything on Schumer. There it was in broad daylight. And all we get are speeches. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. As we move along here. Elizabeth Warren dropped out. I'll get to her later. She's not honestly worth a lot of time, but I'll get to her later and her ridiculous comments. I want to get to something more important, actually. There was a piece two days ago at National Review Online by Kevin Williamson. 
Bernie Sanders and the left's fake fiscal history of 1950s America. Now, Kevin, who I happen to like a lot, we don't always agree. He really has very little like for Donald Trump, that's for sure. But he makes a, uh, a very strong case here in terms of the actual fiscal history of the United States in the 1950s and beyond. And I want to talk about this because you're not going to hear this on TV. Now, so when I read some of this, keep in mind he, he, he detests the president, and I believe he does. But work your way through that as you listen to the rest. He says, contrary to what the left seems to think, the 1950s was an age of a whole lot of guns and nowhere near as much butter as we have today. The more we think of the state as sacramental and the president as totemic, the less inclined we are to make long-term investments in things that we might actually want the government to be good at, say, counteracting epidemics. The Internal Revenue Service, even in its current slightly diminished state, has seven times the staff of the Centers for Disease Control. The IRS has seven times the staff of the CDC. If you want to know, he says, where Uncle Stupid's priorities are, just look at the books. He says, culture matters. But there's a more straightforward dollars and cents way of looking at this question, too. One that is of special interest to anybody who's ever heard Senator Bernie Sanders speak. Sanders and allied progressives are practically unanimous on this. Excuse me. Tells a story about the American economy and American government that goes like this. He and they say after World War II, we had an economy that was closer to what they mean by one that works for everybody. Unions were strong. Taxes were high. And with the New Deal's maturing and the, and the great society on the horizon, government priorities were directed toward ordinary working people, the so-called middle class, etc. It's bull but it's widely popular bull he says. The facts about federal taxes and federal spending in those years, they tell a radically different story. Start with taxes. In real terms, Americans paid almost exactly the same taxes in the 1950s as they pay today. Federal taxes from 1950 to 1960 averaged 16.8% of the gross domestic product. This year, federal taxes are projected to amount to almost exactly the same, 16.7% of gross domestic product. There were some very high statutory rates, income tax rates in those years, 91% at one point. But practically nobody paid those rates. In fact, in spite of the claims you hear from Sanders et al., wealthy Americans pay remarkably similar tax rates today to what they paid in the past. And if you dig into the Congressional Budget Office numbers, you'll see that the effective total federal tax rate for the top quintile and the top 1% have not moved very much over the years. There's information you didn't even know. Now, when the famous or infamous Reagan tax bill was passed, wonderful in my view, the top 1% were paying about 27% of their income in federal taxes, according to the CBO. 
And in 2016, they paid quite a bit more, about 33%. The one percenters have been paying a federal tax rate in the high 20s to mid 30s for a long time since, even as tax legislation has changed. What has changed more significantly is that the lower earning half of U.S. households have been taken off the income tax rolls. We talked about this the other day. Almost entirely. Although they still pay. Sorry, my computer screwed up. Trying. Although they still pay a relatively heavy payroll tax. It's no great surprise then that the wealthy pay most of the federal taxes in gross terms and pay much higher tax rates. As the CBO reports, households in the top income quintile pay about twice the tax of those in the middle. Those in the top 1% pay even more. And I'll be very specific about this. The top 1% of taxpayers pay an enormous amount of the federal income taxes in this country, despite what Bernie Sanders and the left say. But what does that money pay for? Senator Sanders and and, and others would have you believe that programs for the poor and the middle class have been savaged, that education has been shortchanged, and that domestic priorities have been sacrificed to feed the war machine and to fund corporate welfare. You also hear this from the phony Republican populists in radio and TV. Williamson says, my own view is that we spend too much on the military. He's more libertarian and far too much on corporate welfare. But even so, Sanders' story does not match up with the facts. Federal spending on the military has not grown over the years. It has shrunk and shrunk radically. Irrespective of whether you think that's a good thing or a mistake, the facts are worth knowing. From 1950 to 1960, those golden years for nostalgists and populists left and right, military spending accounted for not only the majority of federal outlays, But the great majority, upwards of 70% at times. Defense accounted for about 60% of all federal spending in those years from 1950 to 60. In 2020, defense spending will account for 15% of federal spending. So not 60%, not 70, 15%. Looked at relative to the economy, we spent 10% of GDP on the military from 1950 to 60. In 2020, we'll spend 3.3%, a reduction in military spending of about two-thirds in the gross domestic, uh, of the gross domestic product. Conversely, are people's eyes glazing over? I think this is important, don't you guys? Conversely, the human resources share federal spending, welfare, entitlements, health care, support, education, etc. Basically a big bucket marked stuff Democrats like and want more of was very small from 1950 to 1960, averaging 4% of the gross domestic product. In 2020, that category will account for spending equal to 15.2% of gross domestic product, an increase of nearly fourfold. And if you want a snapshot of Washington's changing priorities, in 1954, defense was 69.4% of federal spending, and human resources was 15.6%. Today, defense is 15.1% of federal spending, and human resources, well, 70.5%. 
We have essentially reversed our spending priorities, radically reducing military expenditures while radically ramping up spending on welfare, entitlements, health care, and education. Precisely the opposite of the story Sanders likes to tell. Then there's the matter of fiscal sobriety. We ran very small deficits from 1950 to 1960. They averaged 0.3% of gross domestic product. This year's deficit will be 5% of GDP, a deficit 17 times as large in economic terms. That's because taxes have stayed almost the same, while overall spending at the federal level has jumped from an average of 17.2% of gross domestic product from 1950 to 60 to 21.6% in 2020. In sum... The federal tax burden is about the same today as it was from 1950 to 1960, except for the fact that the rich pay more of it and the middle class pay less of it. Military spending has been chopped by two-thirds, while spending on welfare and education has skyrocketed, along with the deficit. Which, says Williamson, brings me to the very long way back around to my point about the the, the coronavirus The coronavirus, I can say this. The coronavirus response. In the 1950s, we had just come out of World War II, and we're facing the very real possibility of a nuclear World War III against the Soviet Union. We spent accordingly and taxed sufficiently. In 2020, we are running enormous deficits, 17 times times as large as those of the post-war era, while mostly pissing money away on politically juicy transfer payments and social programs of questionable benefit. At the state and local level, government functions in large part as a supplementary welfare state, a full employment program, which is why state and local spending goes overwhelmingly to personnel costs, to bureaucrats, salaries and benefits for current government workers, and increasingly huge pensions and benefits for retired government workers. In 2016, the average federal worker entering retirement was not yet 62 years of age. At the local level, many classes of government workers, including teachers on average, retire before reaching 60 years old. If you want to know what government priorities are, look where the money goes. In the pockets of a lot of people very likely to vote for Bernie Sanders and his allies in the general election. That's true. Whatever you think of all that, two things are obviously true, says Williamson. One, what we are spending our money on is not preparing us for the actual challenges we face today or in the near future. Two, Senator Bernie Sanders is full of it. Now you know the truth. The truth is right out there. All Williamson did is look at the CBO numbers and other data that's available online. Fredo Cuomo could do this. Wolf Blitzer could do this. They could do it over there at MSLSD. They could do it everywhere, but they won't do it. Because they like what Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and the Democrat Party on the left is trying to sell you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. A Senate ethics complaint has, in fact, been filed against Chuck Schumer by the Landmark Legal Foundation. I can take no credit. I am the chairman, but I'm not the operating CEO and president. That is Richard Hutchison, Pete Hutchison. It was just filed at 630 tonight. Dear Senators Lankford and Coons, the chairman and vice chairman of the Senate Select Committee on Ethics, Landmark Legal Foundation requests that the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Ethics investigate and determine whether recent public statements by Senator Chuck Schumer constitute improper conduct, which may reflect upon the Senate. The Senate must immediately reprimand, if not censure, Senator Schumer for his outrageous and dangerous attack on Supreme Court Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. This is deadly serious. Senator Schumer's thinly veiled personal threats on these justices may well inflame the unhinged and incite violence, and they cite what Schumer said. These statements may violate criminal provisions of federal law. 18 U.S.C. 875C, interstate communicating containing threats of injury. 18 U.S.C. Section 1503A, threats of force in an effort to intimidate an officer of a court. A federal judge is an officer in or of the court within the meaning of the statute. Case law is then cited. This committee's jurisdiction is not limited to violations of specific Senate rules. Senate Resolution 338, as amended, gives the select committee the authority to investigate members who engage in improper conduct, which may reflect upon the Senate. Quote, unquote, U.S. Senate Select Committee on Ethics, Ethics Manual 2003, and so forth. Improper conduct is set forth in the Senate Ethics Manual, Appendix E can be given meaning by reference to generally accepted standards of conduct, the letter and spirit of the laws and rules. Actions amount to improper conduct when they are so notorious or reprehensible that they could discredit the institution as a whole, not just the individual. In these situations, the Senate is compelled to act to protect its own integrity and reputation. In the past, the United States Senate has censured members for reading confidential communications on the Senate floor and expelled members for accepting stock at reduced prices and then concealing the transaction. Senators have been condemned for employing individuals with conflicts of interest and for not cooperating with Senate investigations. These cases did not involve conduct that violated any law, rule, or regulation. But nevertheless... It was found to be 
in violation of accepted standards and values, controlling senators' conduct. In more recent years, the committee has reprimanded a senator who failed to ensure separation of fundraising and official activities. It has also recommended expelling a, a member who abused his power by engaging excuse me, folks, 18 unwarranted and unwelcome sexual advances over a period of 21 years. It's tough to do all this reading with bronchitis, trust me, but stay with me. Senator Schumer's statements directed at justices of the U.S. Supreme Court are within the same realm of this past unethical conduct. His statements may have a chilling effect on the administration of justice. They may even incite violence against them. A threat against members of the federal judiciary reflects poorly on the Senate. This is greatly exacerbated by Senator Schumer's leadership role. I can't read any more right now, unless you want to hear me coughing through it. But I just wanted you to know that Landmark Legal Foundation has, in fact, filed a formal complaint against Senator Schumer with the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Ethics, seeking an investigation and a determination of whether or not he violated the Senate rules and seeks appropriate punishment. Now, I want to thank the president of Landmark, Pete Hutchison, and the staff over there for jumping into this and doing that. They did it on their own. I'm just the chairman of the board. I moved from president to chairman. But the thing about Landmark Legal Foundation is they don't file scores and scores of frivolous lawsuits. They don't file scores and scores of frivolous document requests. They rarely ever issue press releases. And in fact, I didn't even read from a press release. I just read from their filing. And as chairman, I get copies of it. And they don't even know I went on the radio with this today. So now we will see if the Senate Ethics Committee in the United States Senate is worth a damn. Now we'll see if it can function. It's split evenly among Republicans and Democrats. That still does not prevent the full Senate under Mitch McConnell, who schedules votes on the Senate floor to move ahead and reprimand Schumer with the information they already have. Now the Senate has been given an opportunity to do its job, to punish one of its members, or will it cower? Will the Republicans cower or will they act? I'll be right back. Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Don't you wish you were at the post office right now? Well, of course not. Me neither. Running a business or keeping up with your schedule takes a lot. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day. You've got more important things to do. That's why you need stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do right at your desk with Stamps.com. Their on-demand postage means you can skip that trip to the post office. And time isn't the only thing you'll be saving. With Stamps.com, you can get $0.05 off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. 
There's no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments at all. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, you, my listeners, get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Let me repeat, a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Here's what you do. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the word Bunker. It's that simple. Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the word Bunker. Stamps.com, enter Bunker. All right. David, Highland, New York, the great WABC. Go. I've been listening to you for, I can't even remember, decades. And you you. are the greatest. You are one of the founders of this country. But I wanted to say, Uh I'm a lawyer. I'm a criminal lawyer. Okay? And what Schumer did, Mm -hmm. if I did that, I'd be disbarred in five minutes. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. He was not protected by the speech and the debate clause. He was in the middle of the street in front of the Supreme Court. Okay. And there must be some consequences to him because this cannot go on. I mean... He he is um, he has threatened a judge ab- about his pending decision. Two Correct. justices, two of them, two of them, yeah. And the Supreme Court yet, and now he's saying he didn't. And wait a do minute, it. so brazen on the steps of the Supreme Court, and he points to the building when he's calling out the two justices by name. Okay, can you can you imagine, Counselor, going in front of the courthouse, pointing at the courthouse? threatening the judge by name that if he doesn't hand down a decision you want, that he's going to create a whirlwind. And, boy, he's going to pay a price. Can you imagine saying that? When Barack Obama was president. He did something similar, but he didn't threaten anybody by name. He didn't say, you can't make this decision. He said, who the hell are you? Okay, fine. But this is different. This is a threat to a judge about his pending decision, it, 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 it's, it's totally against the canons of ethics of law, and he should be absolutely um, he, he censored or, or, or thrown out of or thrown out of the Yeah, well, don't, don't, don't count on that. But they need to have a vote on the floor of the Senate and let the chips fall where they may. The Senate needs to clean up its act. Enough is enough. I mean, they bring an impeachment trial to the Senate, which was outrageous. Now you have the, the Senate minority leader, the Democrat leader, threatening members of the Supreme Court. Thank you for your call, my friend. I appreciate it. And so far, the only body to take action is the little landmark legal foundation that filed an ethics complaint with the U.S. Senate Committee on Ethics. That's it. I mean, that's a big deal, but they're the only ones. Karen, Queens, New York, the great WABC, go. Yes, number one, I love you, Mark Levin. Thank you, Karen. And the nice gentleman who answered tonight was so kind. And I'm going to, I, Richie V, you're very lucky. I don't know I don't who it was. That. I yes. just want to talk very quickly because I'm a New Yorker. I just want to explain to people in other parts of the world or the country who are listening, say, wow, but that's the way we are. We talk fast. Number one, I want to talk about Chuck Schumer. Listen, stupid. We don't. I was born in, and raised in New York City. Stupid Chuck. We don't. We don't talk like that. When you tell an individual by name 
that you're not going to know what hit you. That's exactly his words. You, we don't talk like that. Sounds like a mobster. Exactly. And you know what? I, don't, I know he's a gutless coward. You wouldn't personally advocate that. But the point is, words have power. Mm-hmm. You can get nutbags or, or radicals. They'll, they'll say, see, see. And we've seen that, haven't we? Yes. You have to, you know, he, he wouldn't personally say that because he's, I, I've, I've been suffering under him for years. As an addendum, I'm finished with that statement. As an addendum, then I just want to say something. After 9-11, all Hillary wanted to know, she was one of our senators in New York. What did they know and when did they know it? Admitting the Republican regime. And, mm-hmm. and, and he never said a word. Mm-hmm. They should have been crying every night for funding for the, the people on the pile and medical mm-hmm. expenses and everything. He never spoke a word until a long time later. So he's not a nice person. Nope. Okay? All right. Uh, Listen, that's enough. Karen, I want to thank you very much for your call. I appreciate it. Just got to roll along. But thank you. Talisa, Wilmington, Delaware. On the Mark Levin app, home of, you know who, Joe Biden. How may I help you, Teresa? Can you hear me okay? Now I can. Okay. So anyhow, I just am so happy that someone acted on what Schumer said. Um, Even in what Pelosi was saying about him and what he said, they are not, he doesn't seem contrite. He has not apologized, and here they were crucifying Trump. Putting the um, Democrats aside, one, Schumer alone, his, his, um, he got too big for his britches. And I don't know what, in, you know what incentive he had by saying that, but you're, I'm so glad they're taking action because he threatened. They're not taking action. Lives. The Senate's not taking any action. Landmark Legal Foundation filed a complaint with the Ethics Committee. That's what I mean. But the fact that somebody is doing something because he threatened two human lives. Mm -hmm. Oh, he says, I don't. They know me. I don't threaten people. Well, then what the hell was he saying? Exactly. I mean, it was out there. It was broadcasted Mm -hmm. live. I mean, I'm ready. You know, up until this point, I was ready to become an expat. I didn't know where I was going to move. But I do hope that justice is done. Because this is getting ridiculous with the mudslinging and everything they're doing. They also crucified Trump for saying, well, he wasn't contrite. He didn't apologize. So here Schumer is, and he's not doing either. Mm-hmm. Oh, as for the coronavirus, I'm in the medical profession. Um, not corona, but influenza. There's been about 45 million cases of influenza, and there's been 18,000 to 46,000 deaths related to influenza. So as scary as coronavirus is, influenza is much, much worse. And there's mm-hmm. A and B out there this year. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Thank you for the update and the information as well. We appreciate it. Let's see here. One second. Uh, who do we have left? We have George, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the great WFNC. Go. Yes, good evening, Mark, and thank you for a wonderful program, and God bless you. Thank uh, you. I'm calling at, because I'm a Korean War veteran and Vietnam veteran. Wow, thank you. I, I'm asking. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking, Mark. Can President Trump is the chief law enforcement officer for the United States? Mm-hmm. Um, in my humble opinion, when I heard the words of Chuck Schumer yesterday, 
that man committed a felony, and you, you clarified it by reading from sections of the U.S. Code. I want to know why William Barr and the FBI cannot put Chuck Schumer immediately in handcuffs. They went down there and took the, and put Congressman Jefferson in Louisiana because he had money in his freezer. Now, by the way, by the way, you know who represented him? Who? As I understand it, as I read it, Judge Amy Berman Jackson in uh, Washington uh, D.C., who's been hammering these Trump folks like Stone and Manafort. I understand that she represented old Freezer Jefferson. How do you like that? <laughs> Jefferson uh, cast Freezer. But the thing that I'm concerned about is why can't uh, the FBI now, since he has committed a felony and the chief law enforcement officer is our president, why can't he direct them? <clears throat> well, we don't, to he has to be convicted. It would be an accusation. Um, I don't know all that. Uh, it just seems to me that uh, something does need to take place here because uh, he can go to the Senate floor and, and try and weasel his way out of this. He said what he said. And if this is not something that, that requires accountability, then I guess anybody can go to the floor of any courthouse and threaten a judge. And I think that's a pretty bad idea. And notice uh, the, the judges' associations haven't come together and issue a statement. Notice all these former Department of Justice people who went after Barr and went after Trump. No petitions on them. Notice how, how quiet... Largely, the media are about this. Some come to his defense. It's really quite remarkable. I want to thank you for your call, my brother. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm posting now the ethics complaint filed with the United States Senate Committee on Ethics by Landmark Legal Foundation. You can go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. We'll have that posted in about 60 to 90 seconds. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know, a friend of mine just wrote me. Somehow what Schumer said was not a threat, and just he just misspoke. But Trump should have been impeached for bribery and corruption, for trying to verify corruption in Ukraine. Right? So Schumer just misspoke, ladies and gentlemen, but Trump should have been impeached and removed from office. For his, I would say, rather reasonable comment to the president of Ukraine. What do you make of that? I think that's a great point. Is Schumer going to be held to account or not? I don't think McConnell is going to hold him to account. What do you think of that, ladies and gentlemen? The guy's running for re-election in Kentucky, McConnell. He's busy trying to take out Doug Collins, the conservative running in the Republican primary in Georgia. He's spending a fortune literally smearing Collins. People in Georgia will tell you this. And he's going around trying to knock out conservative after conservative. So he goes to the floor and mumbles a speech. Great. What are you going to do, Mitchie? What are you going to do? You have Hawley, freshman, guy has guts, senator out of Missouri. He wants to act. You going to act or not? You going to act or not? 
Here we have a small legal foundation that just did. Can't we get any action out of the Senate Majority Leader? You know, people in Kentucky, you ought to ask your senator. What's he going to do about it? You know, with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way, where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune. Or there's the other way, my way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard you inside. You barely notice it's there, too. But what's truly remarkable is you can set it all up yourself. It's very simple. Anyone can do it, even me. Takes 30 minutes to an hour, tops. Absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home in a moment's notice, 24-7. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contract. Seriously, that's not much to protect you and your loved ones. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Here's what you do. Go to simplysafemark.com. Simplysafemark.com. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Protect your home. Protect your, your valuables. Go now. Go to simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. I strongly encourage you to check it out. <coughs> All right, Mr. Producer. To whom shall I speak? All right, Janine in Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Hi, Go right Michelle. Um, I just you. wanted to mention that when in watching the Democratic debates, Elizabeth Warren's only statements that she wanted to beat Trump, she wanted to beat Trump. That's really not a platform. And I think the Democrats are a little delusional if they think that the youth vote that's going for Bernie Sanders is just going to switch and vote for Biden. I think they're more likely to stay home and not vote at all. They want for it's Bernie or Buck. You might be right. My attitude about these things, even though, you know, we all enjoy strategizing, we got to get our vote out. We got to focus on what we're going to do. We've got to be able to uh, engage them at all levels with all people of all sorts. We've got to make sure we have enough lawyers to protect the ballot boxes all over this country. We got to make sure they don't steal the election the way they are in Israel, stealing it from Bibi Netanyahu. It's a grotesque, totalitarian miscarriage of justice. We have plenty to do on our own, and we better be ready. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let us go to Martha in Evansville, Indiana, the great WGBF. Go. Hi. Good evening, Mark. Hi. Um, and thank you very much, or thank Landmark Legal Foundation for what they, they're doing. That's it's them, not me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm just concerned and get sick and tired of one party get 
getting treated one way in one party or another. And you may not think that this has anything to pertain to uh, Schumer, but do you remember December 2002 when Senator Lott resigned his majority leadership because of statements or words that he said at Strom Thurmond's? Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was a private function. I I don't know. I would think it was fairly private. And he did, and he had to resign. Uh, Meanwhile, the Democrats uh, made as their majority leader a man who was a member of the Klan. Oh, well, that would he be Robert Byrd. Even resigning as a senator in two thousand and seven. I'm not a big fan of uh, Trent Lott, to be perfectly honest with you. He's a lobbyist in Washington, D.C. right now. I'm just not, but that's just me. Thank you for your call, my friend. Anthony, Queens, New York, the great WABC. Go. Marcus Aurelius, how are you, my brother? Good, good, buddy. Good to hear from you. Uh, uh, you know it's getting bad when you're an officer in criminal court and two liberal judges were irate today, not to mention about four or five legal aid attorneys about what Mr. Schumer said. So it's kind of you know, throwing some light on it in a negative way. Today. Now, wait a minute. Say that again. So you're in court. You obviously work at the court. And two liberal judges and these liberal defense attorneys were upset at what Schumer said. Correct. So you yep. know it must have been significant yep. as an officer in the court. You know, they're saying if you can, if you can threaten somebody, a justice in the Supreme Court and the highest court in the land, doesn't that doesn't stop anybody from going into a regular criminal court in any one of the five boroughs in New York City. Yeah, trial court, big deal, does. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, it's, it's uh, red flags are going up when uh, even they're throwing shit under the bus, and they're, they're irate about it. Anthony, more I want to thank you for your call. I've got to go. It's the end of the hour. I'll be back next hour. I hope you all listen. Excellent calls. Excellent, Anthony. Thank you. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I feel like we've had a lot of great shows, haven't we? Thanks to you, my beloved audience. One after another after another. And nobody's harder on me than me. So if I think a show sucks, when I'm done, I say to my wife, God, i got to do better than that. People are depending on me. Anyway, Elizabeth Warren flamed out. You might recall, it wasn't that long ago, where she was in the lead. Remember that, Mr. Producer? Everybody thought she was going to be the nominee. But she's not. She's flailing around. She withdrew today. She hasn't decided if she's going to endorse anybody or whom she may endorse. 
Here in part is what she said. Cut to go. Will you be making an endorsement today? We know that you spoke with both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders yesterday. Uh, not today. Not today. Not today. I need Senator. some space around this and I and want to take a little time to think a little more. And you know, the president's right. She really hurt Bernie Sanders. If she had gotten out of the race, she never had a chance come Super Tuesday. If she would gotten out of the race before then, Sanders may have picked off a few of these states. Some of them were very close. He may have won Massachusetts. He may have won Maine. He may have won two or three other states. So she cost Sanders. Not that I give a damn. I'm not, not going to cry crocodile tears here. You know my stand. But it's something else she said today that was not interesting, but provocative. Cut 16, go. A little bit about what that was like for you. And then the other question is, could you talk a little bit about Gender played. All right, so stop. So, so you have a reporter that wants to know what role she thinks gender played. So this is the nature of the mindset of reporters today. What role did gender play? In other words, in the Democrat primary, where a majority of the voters are women, what role did gender play? Because, of course, you're a woman, at least... That's an interesting question, too, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Not that she's not a woman, but I didn't think we're allowed to talk this way. We're not allowed to be gender-specific. Isn't she an it? It? And how dare a reporter presume that she's a woman? Maybe she was born biologically a woman, but maybe she's psychologically a lobster. You never know. You never know. I, I, I think this report is really... Out of sorts. But I just want to point that out. That it is not appropriate to call Elizabeth Warren a woman. Many college campuses, that's just not appropriate. It's an assumption. We're not talking about... I mean, even now when you when you get on an airplane, they're like, male, female, other, other. Anyway, go ahead. So, um... Oy. It was, uh, uh, I stood at that voting booth and I looked down and I saw my name on the ballot. Wow. And I thought, wow, kiddo, you're not in Oklahoma anymore. <laughs> uh, what? Did it really? What? Oh, kiddo, you're not in Oklahoma anymore? Let me tell you a little dirty secret. Any idiot can get on the ballot. Any idiot can get on the ballot. Hence, you're on the ballot. Go ahead. It really was a moment of thinking about how my mother and dad, if they were still here, would feel about this. No doubt both um, Native Americans. Native Americans, no question. In order for her to be a Native American, they had to be Native Americans. Anyway, go ahead. I had gotten a long email from my nephew and uh, how proud his dad, my brother, is, and how they were all had their plans to vote and had met other people. And it is. It's these long ties. Um, for that moment, standing in the booth, I miss my mom and my daddy. Um, gender in this race, you know, that is the trap question for every woman. Uh, if you say, yeah. There was sexism in this race. Everyone says, whiner. And if you say, no, there was no sexism, 
about a bazillion women think, what planet do you live on? Um, I promise you this, I'll have a lot more to say on that. No, I can't wait. She never is uh, short on words. Intelligence, yes. Now, um, so she's condemning you Democrats out there who didn't vote for her, particularly you women. You're obviously sexist. You know, there's a great, several great local radio hosts, really, in the area where I live on WMAL. And I don't get to listen to them often because I'm doing my own thing, but I... I was driving back from the Fox Studios in Washington, D.C. to the outer suburbs. May I say that? I think I will. And I was listening to my buddy Larry O'Connor, and he had a question out there. And I'm not going to ask it and repeat it, but he had a question out there, and his question was, could it be that there were other reasons why Elizabeth Warren lost the race? So that got me to thinking. And I called into my buddy Larry's show. I almost never do this. And I asked him a question that I want to ask you. I asked him a question I want to ask you. Is it metaphysically possible to approve of female genitalia and yet vote against a female candidate, Mr. Producer? Is it possible to separate, when you're voting, the genitalia from the person? Or, let me ask it this way. If, as Elizabeth Warren claims, you're voting against her genitalia, and that's sexist. If you vote for her genitalia, isn't that also sexist, Mr. Producer? I would think so. And yet, all you women out there who chose not to vote for Elizabeth Warren in the Democrat primary, maybe you voted for Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, maybe you wrote somebody in, maybe you got confused and went to the wrong place, I don't know. If you didn't vote for Elizabeth Warren, apparently you reject her based on her genitalia. And yet you women, for the most part, I think, have a similar genitalia. So this kind of doesn't make sense to me, Mr. Producer. You certainly can vote against somebody and support their genitalia or vote for somebody and oppose their genitalia. I would think it's metaphysically possible, isn't it? As a logical matter. So I'm kind of dumbfounded by Elizabeth Warren's assertion. That sexism played a major role in her defeat. Unless, of course, all these Democrats, and particularly the Democrat women, according to Elizabeth Warren, rejected her because of her genitalia. It just seems kind of foolish to me. Buffoonery at play, if you will. Could it be that people voted against Elizabeth Warren because she's a kook? Could it be that they voted against her? Because she seemed quite unstable? Could it be that she was a liar? A liar both about her heritage and a liar about early employment when she had a child and claiming that her employer told her to get out when her employer told her no such thing? Could it be that she's just a wreck? 
May I say that, despite her genitalia? May I say that? I think I will. So I personally don't think it has anything to do with her genitalia. Now, furthermore, on this genitalia point that she raises, isn't it kind of stereotypical and condescending to say that you vote for or against a woman based on her genitalia? Isn't that like a throwback statement by a reprobate? In other words, I thought she was defending women. She was defending women. And yet these leftists, particularly if they're feminists, they don't want you to look at the whole woman. The intelligence of the woman. The leadership of the woman. The character of the woman. They're constantly wanting you to focus on genitalia. It's unbelievable to me. On the one hand, they say, hey, don't focus on genitalia. On the other hand, they say, obviously, you're focused on genitalia. Actually, when I think of Elizabeth Warren, Mr. Producer, I don't want to think of genitalia. You understand what I'm saying? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. It is very confusing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to try and follow the left, their identity politics, their genitalial politics. I'm really quite confused. Are we supposed to be focused on genitalia or not? Supposed to vote for genitalia or against it? And it's even more complicated than that, quite frankly. What is genitalia, after all? It's an age-old question. It's an age-old question. What is genitalia? Is it what actually is between your legs, or is it what you think it is between your ears? I mean, these are, these are very important questions, I think. At least I think they are, because they keep bringing them up. And you see, it's really quite remarkable. So, if you're a leftist and a woman and you lose... It's not because you're a leftist and you're moronic. It's because of your genitalia. On the other hand, you want people to vote because of your genitalia. So if you vote for somebody because they have a female genitalia, that's a good thing. But 
if you vote against them and they have a female genitalia, then you're a sexist. It's really quite remarkable. It's really quite remarkable. I didn't know Elizabeth Warren was the candidate of female genitalia, but this is apparently the case. And by the way, I didn't know all you Democrats were sexist, but apparently you are. Because she's accusing you. I mean, we didn't. We, we conservatives and Republicans, we had nothing to do with this. That's your party. That's your nominee. And obviously, you've chosen an old man who presumably has a male genitalia, or another old man who presumably has a male genitalia, although I won't pass judgment because that would be politically incorrect. See, it's fun to be a liberal, a leftist, a Democrat, a newsman or woman or person. This is the sort of crap you get, you get bogged down in. And she's going to have more to say about this later, she said, didn't she, Mr. Producer? She's got a lot more to say about genitalia. Well, that'll be very exciting. Uh, except not for us. Now, Zerlina Maxwell, I don't know who the hell this is, but Zerlina Maxwell at MSLSD, she's a political analyst. Did you know this? Must be a good one because we never heard of her. She wanted to comment on this, too, with Craig Melvin. He's a uh, purported journalist. <laughs> anyway, let's take a listen to what's going on over at MSLSD today. Cut four, go. And I would like more, we- more men to be vocal about the fact that they want to see women in positions of leadership. Don't say, oh, well, we can just pick Kamala as the vice president. Why does a woman have to settle for the number two job? Uh, because she wasn't. The nominee of your party, because it's called democracy in the primary and caucus process? What do you mean settle for number two, you idiot? This is a political analyst. She doesn't settle for anything. If she's chosen to be a running mate as vice president, even though she failed to get the nomination in our democratic process, she should be pretty damn happy. Genitalia or no genitalia. Go ahead. In 2020, that's all I have to say about that. Um, Good, okay. then shut up. Um, for the rec- There's Craig Melvin, for the record. Go ahead. I want to see women I, in positions well, of power. Well, I think it's important that you yeah. say that. You articulate it, you vocalize excuse it. Excuse me, excuse me. There's some women I don't want to see in positions of power, like Nancy Pelosi. See, this is the thing. This is the thing, ladies and gentlemen. We talk about people and individuals. What's between your ears? What's your character, your heart, and your soul? They want to keep talking about privates. Your privates. And by the way, only female privates. Zerlina Maxwell, ladies and gentlemen. Top shelf political analyst. Go ahead. Who you support? You don't have to support Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. I didn't support any candidate in this race. I didn't endorse. I don't have a favorite. But by the way, Zerlina, we don't care. We don't even know who you are. We don't care who you supported, who you didn't support, who you're going to support. It's irrelevant to us. Go ahead. But but I I work for the Clinton campaign in part because I think representation is important. Oh, she worked for the Clinton campaign. How'd that go, by the way? And speaking of the Clinton campaign, you might be familiar with her husband, B.J. Bill Jefferson Clinton. Now there's a guy... Who focuses a lot on genitalia, Mr. Producer? 
Anyway, go ahead. I wanted to make history again. I worked for Barack Obama as well. Wow, I didn't, you you're know, something I was... else. You worked for Barack Obama. You worked for Hillary Clinton. Right. You ever worked for a African-American who's Republican? You ever worked for a female who's Republican? But she wants to make history, you see. Did you support Clarence Thomas for the Supreme Court? The second African-American? No, of course she didn't. She didn't want to make that history. No way. All right, go ahead. Like a Hillary person or Obama person, yeah. I'm a Democrat. Um, the other piece of it, too, is So that- what will you be doing this time with two old white men with presumably male genitalia? You'll be voting for them because you're a hack. That's the bottom line. Female, not female, genitalia, no genitalia. You're a hack. That's what you are. You're a Democrat. And you'll either support Sanders or Biden. That's what you'll do. Go ahead. I want more men to do what you just did, which is say, I would like to see women. By the way, who gives an S what you want? Do we all report to her? We have our own women in our lives, our wives. Some of you have girlfriends. We have mothers. We have daughters, whatever. Listen to this Zerlina Maxwell, who's a Democrat act. I want more men to who gives a crap what you want. Who are you? Now, Ali Vitali. Is that the name? (laughs) Ali Vitali? NBC News political report on MSLSD. Cut three. Go. I think I've been seeing on Twitter and, I, and many of the people here can't help but remark on the fact that she was the last woman standing in this race. She was the person really to blunt the rise of Michael Bloomberg with that barrage of attacks that she launched against him on the debate stage. And now as she drops oh, out of the race. So she's a Jew hater, Mr. Producer. I guess Pocahontas is a Jew hater. She's going after Bloomberg. Oh, All this identity politics on the Democrat side will give you a headache. What a bunch of crap. The party's crap. No offense. The analysts are crap. It's just all crap going on on the other side. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. When the going gets tough, a tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. It's a pleasure to have with us now K.T. McFarlane. 
KT McFarlane, who's written a book, Revolution, Trump, Washington, and We the People. And she was telling me things at CPAC over the weekend that I couldn't believe that are in her book, the way she was treated, because she pretty much went underground for a couple of years. KT McFarlane, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm very glad to be with you, and I'm glad to be out in public and telling my tale. Tell us, you know, unfortunately, 10 minutes. Tell us what was done to you, because it's incredible. I left the Trump administration after five months um, and prepared to go be the ambassador to Singapore upon Senate confirmation. And so I'm sitting in my house in Long Island, and I get a cell phone call. It was a very poor reception, and I said, I can't quite hear you. And the man said, well, it's all right. We're from the FBI, and we're right outside your house. Can we come in? So I let them in, stupidly. And they said, well, you, must be, you shouldn't be surprised. We're here from the Mueller investigation, and we want to talk to you. And I said, well, actually, I am surprised, because I thought you guys were looking into what the Russians did during the election and how they did it, and, and to prevent them from doing it ever again. And I didn't have anything to do with the Russians. I'm a China expert. Anyway, the long and short of it was they said, well, we're here just to ask you a couple of questions. Um, and I said, do I need a lawyer? And they said, no, you don't need a lawyer, but we can't tell you not to get a lawyer, but we're here just as we want to talk to you as a fact witness. And I said, well, are you investigating me? Am I someone who's under suspicion? Um, are you, do you think I've committed a crime? And they said, no, 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 you're just a fact witness. So we proceeded. I'm alone, two FBI agents sitting at my kitchen table, and go over a series of questions about the Trump transition, who did what, which job did this person do, that person do. And it sounded to me like they were just trying to get a lay of the land. Um, they showed me newspaper articles one after another and asked me what I remembered about them. Um, I kept saying, Mark, look, if I get something wrong, it's not because I'm lying to you. It's just because I don't remember accurately. I don't remember every phone call I had a year and a half ago. So the long and short of it was I meet with the FBI once. I meet with the FBI twice. I meet with the FBI three times, at which point they said, well, we're now your status has changed. And you have to be subpoenaed. You're going to come down and see wow. Mr. Mueller. And they took me through the ringer. They had access. They had seized all of my files. I had no access to anything I had done, no text messages, emails. They had them all, and they would show me redacted parts of a text message and say, well, why did you send this, or what was this all about? Trying to trick you. Well, they were trying to trick me, and they were trying to, as much as they said these are not gotcha questions, they were. What they wanted to do was to trick me and trip me up so then they could say, aha, you've committed perjury, and we are going to charge you with a crime of perjury unless you fill in the blank. Um, They didn't say it in so many words, but the impression I got was that they wanted me to tell them that President Trump ordered me to do this with the Russians or ordered me to tell General Flynn to do that with the Russians. And when I couldn't do it and wouldn't do it, then um, they really got nasty. You must have been shocked, absolutely shocked how you got caught up in all this. Well, you know, I always thought the FBI were our friends, that these are the guys who track down terrorists. It never occurred to me that they're, they're now had become so politicized that they were trying to take down President Trump and anybody around him, that they had seen it as their mission to overrule the will of 63 million Americans who elected Donald Trump. 
And you must have been wondering, how do I get out of this? I mean, I haven't done anything. I tell the truth. The courts aren't going to help me. What the hell? Well, I'm the original Girl Scout. I'd done all the things I was supposed to. I turned over all my files when I left. I didn't lie about anything. I didn't try to implicate others to get myself off. But, Mark, there was a certain point after 20 and 30 hours of just being grilled by the, the meanest, toughest shark lawyers in the world that I finally just turned to my lawyer and said, well, there's nothing more I can give them. What else do they want? Mm-hmm. And then my lawyer said, well, they have a narrative of events, and you're not supporting that narrative, and they're not going to go away. This is so, all in your book? This is all in my book in excruciating detail. It's not a tale I am happy to have to talk about, but I think it's important for the American people to realize just how bad this has become in Washington and, and how and- the Justice Department and FBI were used to take down a president. And in fact, they prevented you from serving this president. They blunted your career. You were on the path of becoming an ambassador. They've destroyed my career. They've cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, they, have, they have really shaken my faith in the government and people who serve. And what they've managed to do is convince me that this is about something even bigger than Donald Trump. This is about an unelected, unaccountable group of people who think they're in charge of the country, not the, people the, pre- not the man that the, pres- the people of the United States elect, but them. They have all the power, all the resources, and they can, do, they can mount these perjury taps, they can do these tricky things, they can do impeachment, the Russia hoax, the Ukraine phone call, because they don't like Trump. They don't like the fact that the American people elected somebody that they don't think is good enough to be president, or they don't think they want to be president, and so they're doing whatever they can to take him down. So they launched this criminal investigation without any, any prerequisite uh, required under the statute, under the regulations. They come up with nothing. They come up with something else. They impeach the president of the United States over a phone call. Then they have a Senate trial. I, I mean, and, and then look what's happened to the people around the president, whether it's his staff, whether it's people worked him in the private, with him in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Look what they did to his campaign. They inserted two spies in his campaign. Two spies. They go to a FISA court and they lie to get a warrant. And they lie again to get a warrant three more times. Have you ever in your wildest dreams thought you would see anything like this? No, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a, you know, naive lady. I worked in the Nixon, Ford, and Reagan administrations. I was in the West Wing of the White House working for Henry Kissinger during Watergate, so I knew how bad it could be, but it never occurred to me that, that the intelligence communities would make common cause with the media to try to actually take down a president. Not just to impede his ability to get the job done, but to actually take him down. Why? Because they didn't like him. Why? Because he threatened to carry out his campaign promises. Why? Because he doesn't like big government. And what they represent is a government that controls the people, a government that feels the people work for them, not the other way around. By the way, the book is Revolution, Trump, Washington, and We the People. You can go to Mark Levin Show Facebook or Mark Levin Show Twitter. It's there. We link right to Amazon. You can go directly to Amazon and get it. If you're hanging out at a bookstore, you can get it. But I encourage you to get it tonight. But your book's about a lot more than this, isn't it? 
Yeah, because at the end of it, I was so traumatized uh, that I left the country. My husband and I took the red-eye flight to Glasgow, and we went to the most remote part of Scotland where there were no roads, there was no Wi-Fi, cell phone, TV, and I just tried to make sense of it all, what had happened to me, what was happening to my country. And at the end of it, I realized, well, as much as I was collateral damage in this, it's probably a very good thing that America goes through these periods of creative destruction where the, the ruling class, the governing class in Washington, is thrown out by the people of the country. We have a constitutional right to choose our own leaders. And so I think what we're going through now is similar to what we went through during the Jacksonian Revolution, the American Revolution, the Reagan Revolution. And every 40 years or so, we, the American people, say to Washington, you're not getting it done. We want new people, new ideas. And I think that that's what the Republican Party did in 2016. That's what the Democrats are trying to figure out now. They like Bernie Sanders. They like Joe Biden. It's a different solution, but at, at its core, it's let's get rid of these guys who have screwed things up for the last couple of years. And I think in the end, that's America's ability to reinvent ourselves. We do it well, as people, as individuals, but we also do it as a nation. It's remarkable that you've kept your spirit. And I just want the American people to know what a wonderful lady you are, and your husband's terrific. My wife and I uh, were able to spend a few minutes with you. The book is Revolution, Trump, Washington, and We the People. I want to strongly encourage you to go online and secure a copy immediately at Amazon or Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. If you happen to be there, it's right there. Katie McFarland, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. And good luck to you, and God bless you, and I'm sorry you had to go through all this. We'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. In a moment as we close the show, I want to tell you something that I think is very, very important. For those of you who care, we're watching our ally Israel crumble from within. As I said this morning in my post, the anti-Netanyahu forces are destroying Israel from within. In this week's election, Netanyahu and his party received the most votes. With his conservative coalition, they have a total of 58 seats out of 120 in the Knesset three short of a majority. The main opposition party can cobble together only 55 seats. On their own, they only get 40. But these 55 seats include 15 seats from the Arab parties, 
And the Arab parties in Israel oppose the very existence of the state of Israel, and they include Islamists, Arab nationalists, and communists. The problem, as I said, is Netanyahu needs just three more Knesset members to reach 61, a governing majority. In all three of the last elections, a former Netanyahu cabinet member by the name of Lieberman, a real monster, who formed his own minority party, has siphoned an average of seven votes from Netanyahu's Likud party, repeatedly denying Netanyahu a majority, a big majority. Now this same Lieberman announced today that he's joining the Netanyahu opposition, including the Arab parties, in the Knesset, to pass two laws that will reverse the results of the election and effectively force Israel into further chaos. The first is to limit prime ministers to two terms. Obviously, Netanyahu is the longest-serving prime minister. He served more than two terms. The second, this is the key, is to prevent an indicted Knesset member, Netanyahu is a member of the Knesset, from running for office. This second law is specifically intended to damage Netanyahu, to stop him from serving as prime minister. Even though he just won the election, and even though this law would be applied retroactively, and the charges, as you know, we've talked about this, are bogus, politically motivated. But he won re-election despite them. So the left in Israel, the Arab parties, and this disgruntled Lieberman have joined forces to usurp the will of the Israeli people and use this Byzantine party system to destroy the longest-serving and arguably the greatest prime minister in Israel's history at a time when he has delivered more foreign and economic policy successes than ever imagined. And while Israeli politicians play games positioning themselves for power and control, all wanting to be the next prime minister or some cabinet member, while they do that, in spite of the decisions of the voters. Ironically, I'm reminded of the fall of the Roman Empire, and I say ironically because it was the Roman Empire that destroyed the Second Temple in Jerusalem and slaughtered the Jews. The enemies from within, from within the state of Israel, empower the enemies from outside who are looking in. Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, etc., who are plotting, planning, and salivating because they too want Netanyahu's removal and they celebrate his domestic enemies weakening the state of Israel. And if you go online and you type in, you just in Google or Bing, Netanyahu, and you look at how the Israeli press viciously and relentlessly attacks this man, you'll be shocked. There's a publication called Haaretz. It's a disgusting rag. Even the Jerusalem Post. And on and on and on. Just relentless, vicious, dishonest, distorted, partisan attacks on this man. Now they just had an election in Israel. Bibi Netanyahu, for all intents and purposes, won. Even though they're three seats short because of that process they have over there. Let me put it to you this way. It's a Jewish state that also has Arabs and, and Christians, among others. Of the Jews who voted, the overwhelming majority of the Jews voted for Netanyahu and the conservative parties. Slaughtering this blue and white party and the liberal coalition. 
slaughtering them. 58 to 40. But then you have the 15 Knesset members from the Arab parties who don't even believe in the state of Israel. And they have joined with the opposition parties, the liberals, to take out Netanyahu. And then on top of that, you have this guy Lieberman, who has seven members of parliament. He mostly represents the Russian Jews, who are nationalistic but are secularists. And this guy Lieberman has a problem with Netanyahu, or he may have a problem of his own. But he is prepared to join with those Arab parties that don't even believe in the state of Israel. Who are also prepared to join with this blue and white party, which is sort of the modern Democrat party, if you will. To destroy Benjamin Netanyahu and deny him the three seats. And to deny him the ability to be prime minister and form a government. With retroactive laws that would be unconstitutional in the United States. This is a totalitarian movement in the state of Israel that is destroying the state of Israel from within. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who protect us. Thank you. And I'll see you tomorrow right here. Please join us. God bless each and every one of you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.